I'm Pam. I'm Dawn. I'm Deidre. I'm Dina. Welcome, Welcome to Ozark's Paints and Hooch. This ain't no fancy academic check your references kind of deal. This is four girls from the Ozarks sipping and spewing about paints, hooch, and history. Well, howdy, everybody. This is Deidre. I'm one of the D's, and um, I am here to welcome you to our 12th episode of Ozarks Haints and Hooch, and uh, we're pretty excited to have you here. This is kind of a different um, format for us tonight. Instead of uh, a big one and a little one, Dina's got one great big one. One That's great right. big one. One big one for Dina. One big one for Dina. That's right. So Dawn's going to take it easy. I'm going to be your host. Pam's going to tell us about her hooch. And um, I'm going to let you know that uh, we are so thankful for you guys um, leaving us comments and liking us and subscribing to us. Um, it's been pretty exciting to um, have all those comments and connections come in. It makes us feel really good. So keep on doing that. We, uh, we like those. We're on, of course, Facebook and Instagram. We, um, of course, want to uh, follow up on that tech disclaimer because um, Scooter was just outside uh, with the, uh, <laughs> the leaf blower. Yeah, I got a dog on my lap. So we that might tech... put that uh, that little video clip up on Facebook or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, between him and then I've got a couple of dogs on my laps right now. So and uh, Pam has a new kitty cat. So just to know that we are sorry for any cats, dogs, uh, <laughs> leaf blowers. Um, we got those four different Wi-Fi's in, in three different households and states and, um, you know, we're, we're doing the best we can. Um, <laughs> subscribe to all of those podcast areas that you, uh, you listen, you know, on and, and make sure you give us those five stars. Don't forget, we release on the 1st and the 15th of each month. And uh, I think that is all the housekeeping for today. And uh, Pamela, would you please tell us about your hooch? Ooh, I will. Thank you, ladies. Thank you, Deidre. Well, tonight, our hooch is about moonshine. Wee! And uh, I know these, uh, these Forsyth, Missouri girls have stuff to say about moonshine, but uh, it's, uh, the, our cocktail is the Moonshine Mule. And on uh, Southern Kitchen uh, website, gave it a five stars. And here it is. And then we'll talk about moonshine a little bit after that. But uh, uh, two ounces of unflavored moonshine, four ounces of ginger beer, and a wedge of lime. I got to say that this is probably one of the simplest cocktails that we've <laughs> offered in many of these recordings what do you say girls yeah yeah, really? yeah but it's yeah. good i, like I love it. it really simple oh yes I i'm like enjoying mine too. with like lime Ooh, and ginger yeah. lime hey and can ginger. i tell a grandpa story since we're talking about moonshine oh yes okay. i have a couple you want to let him finish or you oh, want to sorry go? sure no no <laughs> no uh yeah <laughs> 
So, uh, yes, I'm on my second uh, moonshine mule over here in Tennessee. So um, uh, it's, uh, it's pretty good. I, uh, when I was researching the cocktail, I pulled up like you do cocktails with moonshine or moonshine cocktails. And, and it gave me a few uh, options. And so I ran them past my gals. And, uh, and this is the one that we, that we like the best. But a couple other things that I did learn about is that uh, I wanted to know if moonshine and pure grain alcohol or Everclear were the same because it sounded a lot of the recipes that I was looking at called for the same ingredients. So I dug a little bit, and uh, they are both unaged spirits. And Everclear, or pure grain, is made with grain, and moonshine, of course, as we know, is made with corn. So that's the difference, but they're both unaged spirits. Yeah. So now my experience with moonshine is very limited. Uh, however, that being said, my dad, there was always, as I, when I was a kid, and I'm an older kid, like in high school, junior high and high school, there was this bottle under the kitchen sink that was clear that was just had just about an inch maybe even less than an inch of liquid in the bottom of it. And I always was, always was curious about what's in that bottle, Mom. Oh, nothing. You don't need to know about that. And so <laughs> I asked several years later as I got to be older, he said, well, that's moonshine. And I said, oh, I've heard about that. You know, tell me about it. And so he, <laughs> he gave me a sip. And this was, you know, I was pretty young, maybe I don't know, grade, uh, not grade school, but uh, junior high, high school. Mm. And I wasn't a, very much of a fan, but I knew the mystique <laughs> around moonshine and watched the Andy Griffith show and watched all these shows on TV where moonshine was, uh, was a way to make a living back in those days mm. in the hills and so forth. And, uh, but uh, what I did notice over the years, and I'll just kind of sum it up by this, is that uh, dad, um, because it was such a small amount, he said he always got it out behind the church house. Uh -huh. And it was, <laughs> it was, I think, these old dudes in, you know, northwest Arkansas would make their moonshine. And I don't know that they would sell it by the time I got to be a bigger kid. Maybe they did when I was younger. But uh, they would sell it. They were, they were showing it off. So they wanted to give away their their makings uh, at and and uh, you know this old schoolhouse uh, church up in uh, Madison County was also used as a community house and so there'd be singing on you know Friday or Saturday nights and then a church service on Sunday and our <laughs> dad would come home on a Saturday night from from a trade that he had made out behind the church house. So mm -hmm. I thought that you guys would get a kick out of that. That's cool. And, That's uh, and uh, so that is my, most of my education on moonshine. So hmm. you guys tell me about yours. Yeah, go ahead, Don. So I've got two stories. So grandpa Jones, one time when I was a little kid, same thing, had a quart jar and, um, I think I'd asked if I could have a sip or whatever. And there was also one of his friends there. And um, 
when he took the lid off, it stirred all the stuff up at the bottom and there were all these black flecks and his friend said, what are all those black flecks? And Grandpa goes, oh, I don't know. The old man that made it ran it through a car battery. And the man was like, no, you cannot have any of that and you better not drink it A car battery? Yeah, That's I guess why I, I can't see out of my left eye now. <laughs> oh, and then my other story is, at one point, I was married to a guy from East Tennessee and in the Smokies, and his he had elderly grandparents just like I did, you know, and um, as a new bride, we went up there in December, and Papa took us in his Buick way up in the mountains, and he said he was going to get Jake a little something, and I was oblivious. I had no idea what he was talking about, and so we wind up this dirt road, and um, we come to this sort of gate. I mean, it wasn't closed, but it was a gate to a property, and he honked his horn several times, and um, a man, I'm not kidding, came out with a shotgun. Uh-huh. No. And Paul leaned out the car and said, it's Jake. It's Jake. And the man went, oh. And then, so come to find out, the, the <laughs> woman made this moonshine, and she was Papa's cousin something, whatever, and he little old lady. And she <laughs> would buy uh, used barrels from Jack Daniels and cart them oh. home and then she'd age that stuff in those jet, oh. in those barrels and it was caramel colored and it was amazing. And so hers was aged. Yes, yes, oh. and that was very special. But here's the thing, Papa at that time maybe was 80 in his 80s. He, so he had, I think he bought two half gallons and he handed them to Jake and he goes, now hide them under the tire, Jake, because we don't want to get caught by the law. <laughs> and um, Jake said later, you know, that if somebody had hit us, you know, we would explode. <laughs> so anyway, and then the, right after that, we went to somebody's cabin that didn't have power. Um, this man and his daughter lived with him and in the living room was a wood stove and a table. And I think there was a bed right off the room i mean it was like a three-room cabin and with a outhouse and everything and um and this was in the 80s yeah and he wow. played the fiddle and her name was miss avenel and she played the piano so they sat and they played music and i thought have i gone through a time portal <laughs> what is going on so anyway all right well my i'm gonna tell you my moonshine story i was at a party in a, a suburban neighborhood and somebody gave me a a little sip of peach moonshine that mm. oh my goodness if i could get a hold of that i'd be drinking it right now it was so smooth yeah. and sweet and great and and did wow. it have peach nectar in it so it actually had the syrup and everything uh, i it was sweet so i would assume yeah, yeah I don't that's know. the way they make it here in south carolina they'll they'll get like white lightning and then they'll put some sort of fruit syrup mm. in it and let mm. it set yeah i'm not sure but it was delicious yeah. So, yeah. all right. All right. Well, Dina has a lot to cover tonight. So um, I'm, I'm really excited about this, actually. Um, I mean, you know, uh, for us, it's Shepard has, uh, oh, sorry, I'll, I'll let in with it. Uh, Shepard has a lot of 
uh, we got a lot of connection to it through our family and our folks. And um, of course, Dina and Dawn were both out there. So um, I was the only one that wasn't deemed good enough. Thank you, Keith. To, yeah, um, but you went, you worked at the city and we didn't. Sort of, yes. I, I was a guest star a couple of times, yes, wasn't I, Dina? Yes, you were. I was a... <laughs> I, I was there a, one night when you were a guest star. Yes, I was a great guest star, and maybe we'll tell you about that sometime. But anyway, Dina, get started. Let's hear about these great stories Yay! that are happening out at Shepherd of the Hills. Okay, I was telling you to shush through that whole thing because I'm talking about it. Shush! <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Okay. So, um, doing a, doing my, uh, big one on Shepherd of the Hills tonight. Um, and as they said, the Larson girls have a history with the Shepherd of the Hills. Uh, our history with the show began with two central Missouri state students performing a stage performance under the Taney Como bridge during the summer in the late 1950s. Our father, Kurt Larson portrayed Mad Howard as he would be called then. And our mother played little Pete. So if you skip ahead a few years, you would find our mother teaching drama at Forsyth High School to a student named Keith Thurman. Keith would later become Young Matt, the show's hero and later still the director of the show. Go on to the 80s and you will find our oldest sister, Dawn, in the still show and street entertaining during the daytime hours. If you skip forward to 1995, you'd find me auditioning for the part of Sammy Lane, the heroine. One year later, after a uh, fast wagon wreck that broke my arm and saw my soon-to-be husband lift an entire wagon mm -hmm. off of me, Aww. I would marry said husband with all those aforementioned people in attendance. Now, <laughs> don't think that Deidre did not get in on the action. Yeah. One night, as I was playing Sammy Lane, we snuck her back behind stage and she had a one-night stint as the ghost of Maggie. It was unforgettable. It was unforgettable. <laughs> it was unforgettable. I'm hey, going down I, in infamy. Can I interject something? Um, sure. Scooter, Scooter, when I was out there in the 80s doing that and the vaudeville show, by the way, um, Scooter was this little kid running around the restaurant. And I didn't yeah. make that connection till way after they were married. But he would run around the restaurant and kind of flirt with me and stuff. Sure he would. <laughs> he started working of course there he did. He was, yeah, he started working there when he was 12 years old. Yeah. So that, yeah, about then. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a great, great uh, background yeah. to your yeah. family there. Yeah. So Dawn would later come back and perform as Aunt Molly with her son playing and fiddling Jake's band. Jacob. Um, and I totally expect to see one of my three kids on stage at some point. I figure it's going to be the third one. He is not going to be a bald knobber, though. That's what my husband was. He was um, Tom the drunk that went and got the moonshine from under the hill that got <laughs> shot off the roof later on, which is why he can't walk anymore because his knees are so bad from falling off that roof all the time. But anyway, I, I expect Pace to be out there playing Ollie Stewart. At some Ollie point. Stewart. Oh, definitely. Yeah, he's totally yeah. in Ollie. Yeah. So there's our history with the Shepherd of the Hills, um, but now I will give you a little bit of its history. Um, Harold Bell Wright was born in 1872 in Rome, New York. He was a minister and writer and traveled quite extensively. While pastoring a church in Pittsburgh, Kansas, he was diagnosed with tuberculosis 
And in the spring of 1896, he traveled to the Ozark Hills in search of a better climate for his health. He rode the train as far as Marionville, Missouri, and then rode horseback until being turned back by the flooding of the White River. He took shelter at the homestead of J.K. and Anna Ross, later to be known as Old Matt and Aunt Molly. What he intended to be an evening turned into eight summers. It was here that he became friends with the Ozark Hill people and began to write his story. The Shepherd of the Hills was published in 1907 and became an almost immediate success. The distribution of the books on influx of tourism to the area. Old Matt's Cabin became a tourist destination. While there was a lull during the Depression, Pearl, I thought this was neat. I've never heard this before. Pearl Sparky Spurlock kept interest in the homestead with her taxi service that would take travelers oh, there yeah. from France. Yeah. Ah, I had read that doing some research on something else about Pearl and her taxi service. Yeah. So upon the death of the Rosses, a young woman named Elizabeth McDaniels bought the homestead in 1923. She restored the cabin with original pieces bought from the locals. So she would go around and find actual pieces of the Rosses and buy them from their neighbors. And so that's why there's still original pieces in the cabin now. So um, the cornfield where Wright camped for those eight summers was renamed Inspiration Point. As the cabin was restored, she turned it into the backdrop for a nightly drama and had her home moved to the homestead from Springfield, Missouri. It can still be found on the property and is in fact where my personal ghost story happened. It was the ticket office then. Um, it is now an ice cream shop, I believe. So um, after that, Dr. Bruce and Mary Trimble bought the homestead in 1946 at Lizzie's Passing. They opened Old Matt's Barn as a gift shop and built a wooden lookout tower on Inspir Inspiration Point in 1949. When Dr. Trimble passed, his son Mark built the outdoor amphitheater out where the old mill once stood, thus naming it the Old Mill Theater. August 6, 1960s, He's the first performance of the Shepherd of the Hills outdoor drama. In 1985, a previous Wash Gibbs, who is the leader of the Ball Knobbers and just an all-around bad guy, named Gary Staden, bought the property and built the Inspiration Tower. He also began the Vigilante Sip Rider, and which my husband ran the first year it was open. He was the Vigilante, and I really looked for a picture of him because it was it was great, but I, mm. I can't find one, but if I find one, I'll post it. The farm, as we loving referred to it, was known owned by the Satans. Just, I'm going to start that over. I the farm, like you said, the, the Satans, the poor Satans. <laughs> <laughs> she saw Sharina, and she's going to be mad about that. Yes, <laughs> mad at me. The farm, as we lovingly refer to it, was owned by the Snadens yes. until just recently, and is now owned by Jeff Johnson. So now on to why we're here. Bring on the ghost stories, right? I read something. Um, about a phantom rider riding through the posse scene. So I totally believe there are ghosts there. I've seen him myself, but he is not one. I played Sammy Lane for 10 years, and the first year I was there, I was there seven nights a week. I never saw a ghostly figure run through the, yeah, so I don't, I didn't see that. Now, maybe um, after we, we uh, post this and people listen to it, they'll 
say I'm wrong, but I'm saying 10 years I was there, no ghostly rider through the posse scene. Um, so I've had my own experiences, like I said, but I reached out to the past and present cast members for their stories. And so here are, here are the stories that I got. So this is from a former young Matt who is, you know, the, the hero of our story. One night after the show, we were all hanging out. It was one of the cast parties. I had my motorcycle and was riding people around the park. He stopped up at the cabin because there was a light on inside. I looked through the outside window. There was a girl standing in the middle of the room. There was no light on, so I shouldn't have been able to see into the room at all. But there absolutely was the girl standing in the middle of the room. When I stepped back for a minute, I stopped being able to see her, and the room was completely dark. Ooh, so I have another one cool yeah so this this is another one from him um i remember one night i was driving up and there was a lady on the back of the tram that got really really loud and was freaking out because um she said a little boy fell off the back of the tram i was obviously freaked out about that also except for that I knew that we never had loaded small children on the end of the tram, that they didn't do that. And all of the people around her were trying to calm her down and convince her that there was no little boy on the back of the tram at all. The train wasn't even full and most people were setting up closer to the front. She described the little boy and pretty much 100% described little Pete. Said she didn't see him fall, but she saw him sitting at the back of the tram as we came up the hill and then as soon as we crossed the top of the hill he was just gone he also told me that this was not a unique story and heard actually several tram drivers had this same a very or a very similar version to it evidently oh. the little boy just likes to ride up the tram riding the tram up the hill yeah. so those were his two um so this is from a former howard he played Howard from uh, 2000 to 2007. He was one of my Howards. Uh, he was in the autograph line as Howard, who stands in between dad and doc. A little girl, brunette, beats everyone down to the stand and makes a beeline for Howard. She motions, these are his words. She motions to me to lean down so she can whisper. She says, clearly, I'm an angel. Thinking it's probably the only angel I'd ever meet, I thought, what should I ask an angel? I came up with, how am I doing? She, she replied, where all around could hear, you're doing all right. No. She left no. the line, talking to no one else, and walked back up the stand through the crowd to the green trailers waiting in the tunnel. I looked at the actors playing the shepherd and Doc Coughlin. I said, I'm going to follow that little girl. So in breaking protocol, leaving the autograph line, I followed the girl up. When I got up top, I asked the ushers and Jeep drivers if they had seen the girl. No one up top has seen her. She had vanished. I'm convinced I met an angel, and I'm doing all right. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So, okay, here's um, a tour guide from 2017. He's at the Homestead Tours. Um, as we always do, we count heads. Uh, we have a tram full. There's a basic tour, nothing out of the ordinary. ordinary. Um, though when the cabin is done, he's loading up to go to the church when he looks up to the small window near the fireplace and then there's a young boy about nine or 10 staring at me. I asked my fellow tour guide if he had seen him. I went back to the cabin thinking, oh my God, I've almost left someone behind. Started up the steps and there was no one. 
come to find out there was a boy named Lee that has met his end on the property near the road. Unfortunate horse accident that claimed him. My heart sank as I seen his small stone on the hill and voices, the tower is full of them. Heard two ladies talking clearly, sitting at the desk, no big deal, right? Then I seen from the corner of my eye, a woman in a light tan and brown dress disappear from sight, just around the corner toward the elevator. Now the elevator is glass face, the door never opened and the two ladies never were seen. Seen a lady once in a blue dress walking down the hill toward the cabin. She wasn't one of ours. Cool fall day about sunset. Never seen, come, never seen her come up to the parking lot. She was just gone. Hmm. Wow. That's his. All right. And this is from uh, my friend who was the costumer. Um, I'm going to say her name. I haven't said anybody else's, but it was Carla, and I loved her. She also made my wedding dress and my bridesmaids' dresses. Um, so my first year at Shepherd, I would be there until sometimes 4 or 5 a.m. doing laundry and mending. Many times, I would be sitting in the old dressing room at the server I'm sure that's supposed to say serger, and I didn't <laughs> type it right. <laughs> Old dressing room at the serger, because that would make more sense. It would. With me with my back uh, right at the men's dressing room door. The door was propped open with the clothes barrel. The door would slam. I would turn around, and it would still be open. And there was no one else on park. Mm. Ooh, that's creepy. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I could have in there all by yourself. Yeah. Uh -uh. Uh -huh. um okay and then this one is from i'm gonna say her name too because it's winston it's Teresa's daughter winston oh, okay um and so she's um i'm not gonna say how old she is because i'll get it wrong and she'll be mad at me so she was working in the ice cream shop by herself the front door opened and no one was there we've had other lizzie experiences so i thought huh is that lizzie so i said lizzie shut the door and the door shut Ooh, oh scary uh, Ooh, that's so cool. that is my yeah that is my um my ghost story happened at uh lizzie's house so when i worked there and during the day um in the ticket office downstairs was the ticket office and then up the stairs in one of the old bedrooms was like where you made reservations and stuff so on the far wall there were I don't know, two or three computers where you made the reservations and then there was a window that we would crawl out of to have cigarette breaks it's not necessary <laughs> to the story but that's what happened so um I was sitting at the one closest to the window and my friend Ashley was working with me and i was taking a reservation i was on the computer and i'm i'm um acting this out for no one that can see me but i'm doing it anyway so i was okay. taking reservations working on the computer and somebody so the screens back then they were dark and they had white um fonts right so the background oh, was yeah. black and then you had white so sure. i was typing on that taking a reservation and i saw a shadow walk behind me through my computer screen so i did that thing where everybody does where you lean to one side and kind of look over your shoulder to see who's behind you now it was not my friend ashley because she was sitting right next to me um taking a reservation also so i was like okay somebody came in i just didn't hear the door open right so i'm still taking my reservation shadow walks across the screen again so i 
went the other way, looked around the other shoulder and was like, what, who is that? So I finally get done with my reservation. I hang up and she is staring at me. My friend Ashley is, has stopped what she's doing and she's staring at me. And I look at her and she goes, what are you doing? <laughs> I was like, did somebody come in the room? And she said, no, there's not been anybody in here. What are you doing? So I think Lizzie was pacing behind me. Oh, you were leaning. Oh my goodness. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. There was somebody behind me. So um, I'm also going to tell my husband's story. I tried to get him to come in and tell it, but he brought the leaf blower. He's too busy leaf blowing. I know. That's <laughs> leaf blowing. I know. And I said, well, you want to retell it to me? So you refresh. So I'm refreshed because what if I get it wrong? And he wouldn't even do that. So um, I think he's scared of it. <laughs> so oh. He doesn't want to talk about it. So this is what I remember of him telling me. So um, he was at the dressing room um, after a cast party one night, and he had fallen asleep, in quotation marks, on one of the couches in the dressing room after said cast party. So um, the oh, dressing room, yeah, was at like the top of the hill, and then there was this big, long hill that you had to walk up or down to get to the dressing room, right? And you usually had to park at the bottom of the hill. It was very rare that you got, you had to get there pretty early to park up at the top by the dressing room. So there were maybe, what, two or three lights, uh, street lights that followed your path down the hill. So he woke up after falling asleep, quotation marks, falling asleep in the <laughs> dressing room. And um, he was the only one there. So he got up and decided he was going to go home and he went out the dressing room door and started walking down the hill and heard someone scream, heard a woman <laughs> scream. And so he started walking faster down the hill. And as he hit each light, the light went off. Until he got to his truck. That's gave me goosebumps. I totally yeah. just got goosebumps. <laughs> so... Yeah, that's his scary story. And that's but, it. But Those no are my one, spooky stories. No, and Scooter, did he not, like, go and investigate to see where the screaming woman no, was? No, no, no. Not when it's spooky. That's oh. not, not Theater, not don't you remember spooky. Bigfoot? No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, okay. no, no. Right. He does not yeah. like paranormal. So those are the end of my stories. But I do, I want to end with an excerpt from the book. Um, it's how the show begins. And I think it kind of sums up how we all feel about this place. And especially about the stupid, crazy job that I had for 10 years. And I kind of hope I don't cry. But I might. <laughs> so, you know, it kind of sucks you in and it gives you like really good friends, but it also gives you family. Mm -hmm. So here, I'm going to take a deep breath and try not to cry through this. <sighs> All right. From the words of preaching Bill, when God looked upon the work of his hand and called it good, he was sure looking at this Ozark country. Rough? Well, oh, yes, it was made that way on purpose. Ain't nothing to a flat country know-how. A man just naturally wear himself out, plum walking on a level without an area downhill to spell him. And then look how much more there is of it. Take 40 acres of flat land. Well, it's just 40. But you take 40 acres of this hero's art country, and God Almighty only knows how much it would be if it were rolled out flat. Ain't no wonder at all God rested when he made them here hills. He just naturally had to quit, for he'd done his best work, and he was plumb gin out. 
Oh, that is the precious. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's nice. That's awesome. For us girls. To, um, yeah, yeah, I was trying to feel uh, Mike Sr. Did I, did I have yeah. some Mike Sr.? <laughs> you did. Yeah. yeah, there is a little Mike Sr. in there. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Maybe I'll post a picture of him at my wedding because he came dressed as Lim Wheeler. Yeah, you definitely have to. <laughs> That's kind of a given. You got to have a picture of Mike and maybe his chicken. Uh, no, I believe it was one of his chihuahuas. Oh, yeah, okay. right. All right. Was, yeah. yeah. All right. Oh, that was good. Those were great. Yeah, those were oh, great stories. Thanks, Dana. Those yeah. are good. Yeah. yeah. So, well, uh, Anybody, Dawn, you have any other additions? Did you have anything you wanted to add about spookiness at the farm? No, I mean, the only thing I said, I said in an earlier episode that if you were ever on that stage in the yeah. summer when the lights were out, mm -hmm. it was just magic. I mean, yeah, and there beautiful. is sort of a, it's, there is a, um, I don't even know how to describe it. It's not magic like, oh, glorious. I mean, it's glorious in the daytime, but um, at night, it's like, I was telling somebody today about this podcast and I said, the Ozarks is full of magic. That's the only thing I know to say is mm -hmm. that, I don't know, there's, mm -hmm. and certainly that place is. And yeah, certainly at nighttime. And even though, you know, I only had, you know, well, I, I believe I was a, semi sort of square dancer one time too maybe i was a maybe I, I don't think i was a square dancer i think i brought in a basket or something maybe oh, did you but, come into the party scene with me maybe yeah maybe something like that but you know i mean um just at night time just listening you know i remember you doing you telling the story about jacob just saying mom stop and listen you yeah know. listen yeah so, yeah, yeah. We people um so when you weren't playing a main character you had to um usher um before the show if you were just square dancing and so i had people more than once ask me to turn the um ambiance music down like the <laughs> turn the crickets off like yeah we can't really do that yeah. they don't have volume <laughs> the crickets and the peepers yeah. they don't they don't really there's a pond right behind the stage oh, yeah. and the bullfrogs oh and uh let me add to this unto these hills all those years that i was there in cherokee north carolina the tree frogs would mm. start uh around the end of july and first couple weeks of august and uh it was really really hard especially before microphones to hear what was going on because the tree frogs were going so nuts oh uh -huh. my gosh yeah. yeah and bugs how many bugs have we all eaten <laughs> on stage yeah yeah it's true yeah outdoor yeah. trauma it's fabulous <laughs> it yeah. is well, hey, everybody, thank you so much for joining us again, especially as uh, we went down this walk down memory lane. Mm -hmm. um, this was a, a special one, and, and we really appreciate you guys, um, you know, spending some time with us. Be sure and uh, leave some comments. If you've got more stories to tell, you can always reach us through, um, you know, Facebook or um, Messenger or um, Instagram. We'll be checking those out. And uh, leave us stars wherever you listen to us uh, on those uh, on those podcasts. We sure appreciate it. Uh, we hope you have a great uh, day, evening, 
wherever, whatever it is, wherever you are. Y'all have a great night. Thank you so much. Everybody want to say goodbye. Bye. Bye. Thanks again. And hey, remember, if you liked it, tell all your friends. And if you didn't, keep your big mouth shut. shut.